0: Amen. Alright, if you would please turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I will be reading verses 28 through 32. John chapter 8, verses 28 through 32, don't worry, I'm only preaching verses 28 and 29. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 28, hear the word of God. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, uh, in this chapter, proclaimed that he was the light of the world. And really, this is where this discussion, this entire discussion begins. He makes this public declaration that he is the light of the world. In other words, he is the source of our knowledge of who God truly is. If you want to know God... And who he is, you must look to Jesus. And anyone and everyone who refuses to believe who Jesus is will die in their sins because he is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the gift of God. He is equal with God. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world, as we saw last week. And as we've been looking at John, we've seen all of these things. So now, as Jesus speaks these words, what will it take for these Jews who are listening to Jesus to believe that he is the true Messiah? What will it take for you to believe? What is it that convinces a person that Christ is the Son of God? The cross. The cross is where the glory of Christ and the glory of God shines brightest. That is where the glory of Christ is revealed in all of his greatness and grandeur. And this is exactly what Jesus says to the Jews here. Look at verse 28. When you lift up the Son of Man... One author called this kind of statement and these theological truths like this one a redemptive reversal. The the term for lifting up is the term used in the Bible for exaltation. When you exalt, you could translate it that way, but it wouldn't be getting to the point. But there is a a sort of a reversal here that Jesus is using this play on words to, uh, to teach us something. This lifting up, of course, he's referring to is his death. In John 12, 32 through 34, he says this, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This, he said, signifying by what death he would die. When he speaks of himself being lifted up in the gospel of John, what he's talking about, of course, is his crucifixion. But it is in his crucifixion that he is exalted. And this is a redemptive reversal. Listen to what he says to them. You might have missed it. When you... He's speaking to the crowd, and he's saying to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, when you murder me, That's what he's saying there. That's exactly what he's saying to them. Some of these Jews would be there when Pontius Pilate asks, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? You know what they're going to say? Let him be crucified. He asks, what evil has he done? You know what they say? Let him be crucified. And then they say this, his blood be on us and our children. There's another redemptive reversal because what they mean is that the guilt of his death, may it be upon us. But apart from that, apart from his blood being upon us, we could not be forgiven. Apart from the Son of Man being lifted up, apart from him being murdered, he was murdered, apart from him being murdered, we would not know Who he is. The way to the crown for Jesus is the cross. His exaltation, his crucifixion, is where his glory shines the brightest. So, he says this, then, at that point, when I'm lifted up, when I'm crucified, then you will know that I am he. These are the people who he came to save. And they are going to crucify him. But what does he mean by this? You will know that I am he. Well, it, it, uh, it could mean that they're going to see him there on the cross and they'll believe that he is the savior of the world. And for some of them that happened, right? There was 150 at the beginning of the book of Acts. And then John, uh, Peter preaches the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And he says to them, You crucified him, and they're cut to the heart, and they believe, and 3,000 are added to the church that day. It could mean exactly what it means for the Pharisees is that they knew that he had been raised from the dead. So you know what they start doing? They start paying people, hey, lie. You know? <laughs> don't tell, tell, his, just tell everybody his disciples came and stole his body. We don't, we don't quite know exactly the point that Jesus is making to his audience, but we know the implications for what he is saying. And it's this. If you are a Christian, the only reason that you are right with God is because Christ was crucified. Let me put it this way. In the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, if you desire to be a member of Christ by faith, a partaker of his blessings so that you may confess his name and present yourself as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him and also be free and have a good conscience that you may fight against sin and Satan in this life and afterwards reign with Christ eternally over all creation. You know what you must believe? That he was crucified for you. You are the reason why he was on that cross. Your your guilt is the reason why the Son of God had to die. It's very easy for us to look around, you know, maybe at our spouse, and maybe at our kids, and maybe at our friends, and say, "You're the reason." I forget. I don't know if it was a teacher or somebody said this to me. Whenever you're pointing one finger at somebody, you're pointing three at yourself. If you want to be a Christian, you must see yourself there. He hung on that cross because of your sins. He was there for you and because of you. And if you're sitting here and you don't care, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, the days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now, His crucifixion then is the place where they're going to find out. They're going to be convinced that he is who he says he is. Remember the preceding context. Who are you, they ask. Just as I have been telling you from the beginning. That's what he says to them. And then he says, when I'm crucified, then you're going to know. Your eyes are going to be open and you're going to see that I am the Messiah. They are going to weep for him bitterly. But now, listen to what he adds here. And I do nothing of myself. Literally, I do nothing out of myself. What the Father wills, the Son wills. Of course, this is a, this is a very in-depth, uh, a very deep statement that should drive us into a consideration of the essence and nature of God. But when you know you, you you think about that you theorize about that they have the same will in this particular setting in this context while Jesus is having this conversation you know what that should reveal to you is that the father was in perfect agreement with the death of his son for you they weren't divided it was the father who sent him this is the father's good pleasure to crush the son For sinners. And Peter puts it this way in that sermon during Pentecost, he says this Him, Jesus, being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. God planned it. I do nothing of myself. This act, this death of Jesus was part of the, of the Father's plan. Now he adds this, but I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Everything that they're, they're, that they're hearing, everything that we hear when we read the Gospel of John in particular, all of the Gospels, when we hear the words of Jesus, this is exactly what God wants you to to know. You don't have to buy a magic eight ball. You don't have to go, you know, tarot card readings and, uh, you know, for us Spanish people, Walter Mercado. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> Fernando got that one. <laughs> um, you, you don't need that. If you want to know God's will, it's not hidden anywhere. Christ reveals it. Perfectly. If you want to know, what's the will for my life? What does God want me to do? He wants you to behold his son crucified, that you might know him. But as the father taught me, I speak these things. Here is God's expressed will, his plan, his purpose, that his son should teach sinful men, women, and children how to be saved by looking to the cross. You know, the the message that we preach is very simple simple. It is a very simple message. It's not a very complicated message. It's very simple. Jesus died for sinners. The difficulty is rooted in the heart of man that refuses to believe that truth. The sinfulness of man. And now look at the, the, the absolute confidence that Jesus has in this truth that his crucifixion is where his glory shines the brightest. And he who sent me is with me Verse 29, the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. First, He who sent me is with me. This is a statement about the communion, the fellowship, and the union that the Father has with the Son. He who sent me is with me. Knowing the Father was with him, and accomplishing the Father's will is what motivates Jesus to do everything he does so he says in Luke 22:42 father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours as he is entering into his sufferings there the son of god is submitting his will perfect to his father. There was this perfect communion and union of will and desire, and his father was with him through all of it. Now, uh, we look to the cross and the event of the cross, and we see the sky getting black and dark, and we hear the cries of dereliction, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we say, you know, we sing with the... With the, with the uh, Hymn writer, the father turns his face away. But listen to what Jesus says in John 16, 32. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has come, that you will be scattered. He speaks to his disciples. They're going to be scattered away, John 16, 32. They're going to leave him. And it was prophesied that they would leave him, each to his own. Goodness, Peter becomes a fisherman. (laughs) He goes back to being a fisherman. And leave me alone. Yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Doesn't that wreck that song for you? (laughs) The Father doesn't turn his face away. It pleased the Father to crush him. It was pleasing in the sight of the Father to do that. Why? Because of his love for his people and because of what Christ would accomplish by his death, something that we could never accomplish. A, a regular man could not, have, could not have offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. He could not endure the wrath of God. He, you couldn't bear it. You are not righteous enough to be offered as a sacrifice. Therefore, only the Son could, who is God and man in one Person. Only he could endure the eternal wrath of God upon the cross. So that uh, people say this if you're a Christian, the, the torments of hell they have been suffered for you. Jesus suffered those torments upon the cross. It's not that the punishment goes away, someone had to bear it, and it was Jesus. And the father is there with his son. And you know what the father's doing? He's not turning his face away. He's smiling. Because that's why he sent him into the world. And Jesus has this great courage in declaring this, this boldness. You know, we can, uh, you could, you, you can, uh, uh, as, as a father or as a mother or as a friend or whatever, share this truth with those whom you love, or maybe even with strangers, right? And they make all kinds of professions, and yes, and I believe, and I'm going to show up to church, and they don't. And they don't change, and they live the way that they've always lived. And that can cause great discouragement, but look at Jesus and his courage in stating these things. He's not deterred by anything. Calvin writes, This is the courage with which we ought to be animated in the present day, that we may not give way on account of the small number of believers. You look around and you think to yourself, Boy, we ought to shut this place down. Nobody's coming. (sighs) For though the whole world be opposed to his doctrine, still... We are not alone. What does Jesus say before he goes to heaven? He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's here with us now. He's better company than I am. That's why I come here. Not because I'm here. Because he's here. So he he says this with great confidence. There's this union and communion between him and the Father. And everything that he does and everything that he says is a revelation of the, nature, the very nature and person of God. Everything he's doing. For I always do those things that please him. He's, he, God never, the communion between the Father and the Son is never broken. The reason it's never broken is because everything the Son does pleases the Father. So in Isaiah 42, 1, we hear these words, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. The Father took great delight and joy in the Son. Now as a as a sinner, I do not delight God that way. But I know someone who does the Lord Jesus. If I want to find favor with God, that is where I go. I don't know if you had this situation, but I had this situation growing up. This is anecdotal, but I think it's a good illustration. Did you have a sibling who your parent liked more? I mean, it was unspoken. You didn't say, and your mom or dad didn't say, I like this one the best. But if you guys wanted to do something, if you wanted to watch a movie, get some lollipops, ice cream... Right, this was the kid that you sent in to accomplish the mission. Hey, why don't you go ask if we can? Right, you send that one in, and that one goes in, and we got cookies. You know, we got we're going to stewards, baby. You know, <laughs> uh, it, trite, this is a trite trite way, right? And um, using some levity here, uh, joking. But um, when we desire anything from the Father, we come to the Son. We, we don't come to God based upon anything that we've done, any virtue that's found in us. No. We come to the Father through the Son, as the song puts it. And we see God's disposition and his readiness to hear us in this. Not because their wills are contrary or anything like that. They work together. Jesus says, he makes a statement, and I... And that I do nothing of myself. Jesus voluntarily, he he willed to die for sinners. But his will and the Father's will were perfectly united. There wasn't a division between the Father and the Son. There was this perfect desire. And because of that desire, you could say love, because of their love, they accomplished exactly what Jesus was sent into the world to do, which is save. And if we want to know who Jesus is, that's where we look. We look to the cross. Now, you see why I said that, um, since I don't have other people preaching, I could, you know, I could arrange a sermon however I want. Take a long time in the Lord's Supper. Um, And I could just do two verses in John. Again, here. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. If you're sitting here today and you are not a Christian, what should you do? Or maybe you're sitting here today and people think you're a Christian and you're really not a Christian. What should you do to to take that mask off, to stop the, the masquerade? Meditate upon the cross. Look to the cross. Look to what God is accomplishing and has accomplished there at the cross. And pray for God to help you see the Son of God for who He is as He has offered Himself in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask even now that you would give us eyes to behold him, crucified, exalted for the salvation of sinners. In his name we pray, amen.